Good evening, everyone. I'm so glad y'all came back. So this is the third week of this class. It means you're you're coming because you think I have food for you, or you're really enjoying the lessons, though. Or you're you're here because you want to learn more about God's word together. Uh, before we get started, we have our opening prayer. Thank you. Be turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. As we continue our study on Christian fellowship, tonight our lesson is entitled No Life Outside the Body. So far in this study of our life together, we have seen that the fellowship in, Christ, in the church is both a vertical relationship with God as well as a horizontal relationship with one another as fellow Christians. We also noticed in the past weeks that the fellowship in Christ's church was to be or is to be similar to the intimacy found in a family, in your like your own blood family. And it's funny to say that because we're all connected as family in blood, the blood of Christ. For the church is indeed the family of God. In this lesson, we shall consider how the church and its fellowship is like a body, uh, as the scripture tells us, with Christ as the head. And his members dependent upon the head and each other. That it can truly be said that there is no life outside the body. So I want to remind us of why I chose this particular set of lessons to talk about. And to remind you of what our way forward here in the congregation will be, at least here in the next year, in the year 2020, we will be focusing on unity. Uh, not just unity in the church, universal, but unity right here in this congregation. And that we may grow spiritually stronger in God's word and spiritually um, together, you know, come together even more. You may think, well, Jaylee, you know, we've been here a whole lot longer than you and, and we all know each other. That's great. That's fine. But we can know each other more. We can know each other better. Because, you know, truthfully, sometimes we do come in, like like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we may come to the building as if this is a movie theater or a ball game. And we don't really, truly know each other. So we're going to be working on that um, here in the next year. And, and these lessons, I hope, will help us, will help spur us along. We began noticing some things about the church as the body of Christ. That the church is the body of Christ. 
um, is evident from Paul's statement in Colossians 1.18, and is stated very clear, clearly in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. But as the body of Christ, the church is also saved. So let, let's first read Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 23 through 29. Ephesians chapter 5, 23 through 29. If someone wants to read that, I appreciate it. Ephesians chapter 5, 23 through 29. Thank you. So this is a verse that we've all read many times. And it tells us that Christ saved it out of love, talking about the church, by giving himself for it, as it was read in verse 25. He did so that he might make a glorious church, verse 26 and 20, verses 26 to 27, by sanctifying or, or separating it from that of the world and cleansing it. So it might be a holy, might be holy without blemish. And uh, James read in verse 29 that the church is nourished and cherished by Christ, even as husbands are supposed to do for their wives they love. This suggests that the work of Christ is in behalf of his uh, is on behalf of his church. Goes beyond just dying on the cross, but continues in some way. And and to better say that Christ continues to cherish the church even today, even though he's come He's uh, lived, he's died, was buried, rose again, went back to heaven. He still works with us today. But the main point that I'm leading to is this. Outside of the church, the body of Christ, there is no life. And I don't want to just simply say that, that, well, outside of the church, there is no life. We, we all can probably have that general thought in my head, in our heads. But I, I want to say it a little bit more clearly or or. or to add more to that some people will find some christians will find that they have more fun with other people in the world that have nothing to do with the church that they can do other things that they can't do with members of the church that they can be part of some fraternity sorority and i'm not telling you you can't belong to those those things or belong to the lions club or to um the rotary club or something like that but let me tell you, all these other entities that are out there in the world, they will not bring you closer to God, even even though they may say they would. I know that for many years I've been trying to they, I've been trying to be or I've been recruited or tried to be recruited to uh, become a mason. I said some building that doesn't have any windows that I can't see inside of. You know, I don't know any. I didn't know any more about them anyway. Then I learned a little bit more about. Them. I was like, nope, that's all right. You become uh, I'm. The church is enough for me. It's enough for me. There is no salvation outside the body, outside the church, Ephesians 5, 23. There is no spiritual nourishment outside the body, 
Still talking about the church, Ephesians 5.29. There is nothing else that will get you closer to heaven. There is nothing that will bring you closer to, to God. Even though there are things out there, there are books out there, there are people out there that can talk a good talk, talk a good game, there is nothing that's going to get you um, into uh, get you into heaven other than Christ. Christ is the head of the church, and I want to be a part of what he, what he offers, and that is, that is the body, his body. We know that how he provides salvation to those in the church, in his church through his blood, but my question, and this is a question, so I'm expecting the answer, um, how does he, Christ, provide life um, to us? How does he provide nourishment or strength to those of us in the body? How does Christ do this? Say, what you say, bro? Through his word, yes. Spiritually, how does he do spiritually? Because I understand the word, because we have it and we can look in it, but how does he do that spiritually? Why? And you don't have to answer by yourself. You have, you can phone a friend. You're right, but why? You got lots of friends around you. Because he's the boss. Because he said so, right? What do we have? When we all die, whether we are Christians or not, what do we all have? Souls. And who do those souls belong to? God wants those souls back. He wants those souls back. He's He's given them freely, and he wants them back. But he does know that all of them won't come back to him. And so through his word, as we continue to read it and study it, we spiritually, we should be growing spiritually. And those that were in my class, the previous class, we know that spiritual uh, growth is a, come on, y'all were in the class. Spiritual growth is a choice that you have to make on your own. Right. You're not you're not just going to grow because well you're here because you were baptized and now you just grow. You know, babies need food, don't they? Babies need to 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 um, drink milk. I was I was teaching the uh, when did you preach. Did you preach last Sunday? It was two Sundays ago uh, in deaf ministry. I think it was last Sunday or the Sunday before I was teaching in deaf ministry for the Bible class. And I was talking about spiritual growth and I asked. I asked the question, like, what do babies need um, to grow? And they said, food. I said, yeah, but what kind of food would you give a baby? And I won't say who said it, but somebody said, well, you know, I'll get, get them, um, it wasn't a steak, but it was something like that, like chicken or something. I was like, a newborn baby? I was like, you know, you're going to give them milk, right? And I, I, I was, the way I was saying it, it was, it was coming out the wrong way. I, or, or Pat was messing with me and he was interpreting it a different way because we were talking about milk and not, not this kind of milk, but this kind of milk, uh, not cow's milk. But anyway, point I'm getting at is that we grow spiritually, but we have to want to do that. And when we want to do it, God is going to provide for us. He's going to provide that that growth for us. He's going to provide that nourishment and that strength. How does God provide us strength? I'm looking on this side of the room so that somebody will answer over here. How does God provide strength to us? See, you're not over here, though. No. <laughs> go, go ahead, brother. 
No, please. Through his church. Right. You know, we talked about this actually last week, um, how we, uh, we, we, as we were getting ready to introduce this lesson, as it talked about in Ephesians chapter 5, we are a body. And when our physical bodies hurt, some part of our body hurts, the rest of it hurts, does it not? You know, you ever stub your toe or slam it, your finger or hand into something? The rest of your body reacts, doesn't it? We should be the same way. And I, and I have seen that here. You know, people, brothers and sisters have been hurting, have been suffering, and we suffer and hurt right along with them. We may not know exactly what they're going, going through, but we pray for them. We ask about them. We send cards. We, we're, we're concerned about them. And then when they get better, we rejoice. Sister uh, Hickman, we're so glad to see you here tonight because we've been praying for you. And I'll tell you, I started to say something to you as you were walking in, but we were getting ready to pray. Um, I was so glad to see you walk in. All of us are happy to see her, right? Amen. We're all happy to see her because we've been praying about her. About her. Um, if somebody has a baby, we're happy. When someone passes away, we're, we're sad. Even if we don't know the person, we know they're members of the body, we're sad because not so much because the person is dead, um, because if they were in Christ, we know paradise awaits them until judgment. But we're sad because that conversation maybe we were having is delayed. We can't, we can't talk to them right now. We can't be with them right now. But we have joy in our hearts knowing that, Lord willing, I continue to keep living faithfully. And when I die, I will join them. Either in paradise or if the Lord comes back before the earth uh, ends, we'll, after judgment, be in, with heaven with, uh, in heaven with them. I, I got a strength from that as well. So how Christ alone, you all were correct, how Christ provides life to those in the body. Turn over to John fifteen fifteen. He provides it directly from the head to the members of the body. So John fifteen fifteen. someone please read that nice and loud. John fifteen fifteen. I'm sorry. John 15, 5. I knew that didn't sound right. I apologize. John 15, 5. Thank you. Apologize for that. It, it's suggested by the figure of the vines and branches there. Uh, as also illustrated by Paul in Philippians 4.13, and we all know that verse, or we should, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, so the direct and individual relationships we have with Christ is one avenue of the life, the nourishment, the strength that we get from him. That's directly, but indirectly, we get it by the proper working of each member. Each member, each one of us has been given some ability by the grace of God. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'll be reading from verse, starting at verse 4. Romans chapter 12. It says there in verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, we being many, are one body in Christ, 
and individually members of one another. Having in gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So I, I think we understand this, the premise, what the scripture is saying here, is that all of us have something that we can do and that everybody has to play their part. Not The head can't, excuse me, the hand can't be the foot and the tongue can't be the eye. I think we get that, but you know how we act sometimes? Man, he could be doing that better. Let me do that too, and let me do this too, and let me do this because they're not doing it right. Um, I have found myself over and over again as I continue to keep thinking about, okay, I'm deacon of evangelism. That's what I need to focus on. And I see something else that needs to be done. I need to focus on on evangelism. I can't, I got to stay in my lane because if I find myself doing, um, let's see, I'm going to do edification now. I'm going to help them with that. Or I'm, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to help, I'm going to help Scott out and I'm going to, I'm going to schedule some of these teachers for him, or I'm going to do the job of an elder and I'm not an elder, but I'm doing that job. There are some things that we all can do that elders do, like encouraging one another and, and helping, as we talked about last week, helping admonish one another. But there are certain things that, yeah, I shouldn't be involving myself in. What, what happens to me if I do involve myself in all of that? I get burnt out, less effective, I'm stretched too thin, I'm trying to do too much. Here's some, something I'll, I'll give you for free today. The word that we like to use a lot is uh, getting our uh, it's, it's priorities is the word I'm thinking of, priorities. We, we often think, and here's another word, um, I'm thinking about uh, uh, multitasking. You know that you, you really cannot multitask. You can only do one thing great at one time. I mean, you think you can do a whole bunch of stuff, but, but you, you really can't. You can't do this and this and this all at the same time well. You just can't because you're, you're pulling different directions. And we said, well, I just have all these priorities that I have to, you know, set straight. I have to do, I, I, if I do this first and I do this and then I do this, then I think I'll be doing great. Um, the word priorities did not come around to the year, I'm eh, probably off a little bit, but around the 1600s, the word priority had always been there because it was thought I do one thing at one time, and then when I'm done with that, I move on to the next thing. The reason why I bring that up is because we as Christians need to be careful about getting ourselves so involved with so many things all at one time, even though we have the talent to do a lot of those things. It's just one of you, right? I mean, I, I don't know. you got a couple doppelgangers out there. I mean, even if it was you do have a twin, your twin can only do what your twin does, right? Um, we need to make sure that we, 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 Use the ability that God has given us, and if we're able to help others, then then do so. But don't get yourself so involved that you you forget why you're even doing it. And I'm talking about I'm talking about the work of the church, work of the Lord. Sometimes we can do. And would you agree to this, or or disagree is up to you. Would you 
um, do you realize that sometimes you can get so involved in doing the Lord's work that you forget that you're doing the Lord's work? You do, you just do more and more and more and you forget why you're doing it. All right, I think I believe that point enough. We are expected to minister to one another. Whereas last week we talked about in 1 Peter 4, 9, we need to be hospitable to one another. Use it to, uh, use it to benefit others. And when we, when each member is doing its part, the body is capable, (coughs) excuse me, of building itself up in love. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Thus we receive life or the strength that we were talking about earlier from two sources, directly from Christ through our individual association with him. So you have to have right relationship with God there or with Christ. You know, there are people in, in our society, in our world that believe that, well, I have a personal relationship with Jesus because Jesus told me that's when already they're already going down the wrong road. I, if Jesus is telling you something different than he's telling me, then I know that something's wrong, right? Because all that Jesus wants to tell us, all that God wants to tell us is in here. He's not telling you something differently. And I, and I, and I hear people, they may say that, um, that, well, God told me today to come and tell you this. Uh, God, didn't, God didn't tell you anything differently than he's telling me that's in here. Um, but we are to have a proper relationship with him. And the way we have a proper relationship with him said we had to come to him through, as the word says, if we want to know just like the first time that somebody um, wanted to know, well, how do I become a Christian? We turn to Acts chapter 2, right? Acts chapter 2, we, we begin to read that how, how Peter um, is explaining to all those folks there who Jesus was, reminding them who he was and what they did to Jesus and why he had to die and, and how he was raised and, and, and they're fearing the, they're fearing God because, you know, they're closer to the wrath of God in the sense of God reaching down and touching people than we are today. Um, and so they wanted to know what must we do? What must we do to, to, to not be in trouble with God? How, what must we do to be saved? And Peter tells them exactly what to do. Repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. But you don't come to Christ, as you know, or, or you're not in Christ by just saying, I accept Jesus into my heart. Or I feel today that I'm saved. That's, that's not how. You have to have a proper relationship. We also receive strength or our life, life from um, indirectly from Christ through our association with one another, our fellowship with the members in the body. So, for example, we can receive comfort directly from God in Christ. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter one, and we'll be reading um, <clears throat> verses three through Second Corinthians one, three through five. That's what you're reading, brother. No, Second Corinthians. That's all right, brother. I was I was trying to make sure I gave you the right thing. Right verses. I still let, let you read it though, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, one, three through five.
Thank you. So I, I, I didn't understand this verse that much um, before. Uh, we all in here may have or may not have suffered loss in one way or another. Um, but I did not understand it until Jennifer and I lost a son when we were in Japan. And I, I still, I'll tell you this, I still really didn't understand it. And so we moved around, and other people had experienced the same thing, and that we were able to comfort them, to tell them this is how God helped us through it. This is who we turned to when we were suffering. And we're not the only ones, and, and you know, there are others that have lost more, and we, we understand that. And I never have gone to people and said, well, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. I, I, I sympathize with you. No, I empathize with you because your pain is maybe different than mine. But let me tell you about God and how God can comfort you through this time. And, and then I began to read this. God comforts us so that we can comfort others because we remember how God comforted us so that we can comfort them. That make sense to you? Any comments on that before we go on? Yes, he is. Ultimately, I'm always trying to read something on leadership, and it keeps taking me right back to God's word. You know, well, look how God used Moses. Look how God used Joshua. Look how God used Jacob, you know. Um, and they were men just like me who messed up at times, but still God was able to use them. So I find comfort in that as well. Any other comments? All right. Well, we uh, we read that. All right. For that is how God often provides comfort. That is to us indirectly in the same book, second or same yeah same letter here in Second Corinthians chapter seven. The verses in six and seven says, "Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming." but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Nothing like going somewhere where you've been before and you say you visit the congregation that you've visited before or you go home to Lord 48 or somewhere else where people know you and they just light up. I hope they light up when they see you and they're comforted just by you being there. Like, um, I know that my mom, I've, I've surprised my mom a couple of times, you know, have flown home or driven home. Uh, obviously not from here, but (laughs) driven home and she didn't know I was going to be there. And it just, you know, I know it gives her a sense of comfort to see her, her oldest, her eldest son that she hasn't seen in a while. She just talks to you on the phone. It's different when we see each other face to face. We see that at times when, when Paul is saying, you know, I, I really want to come and see you. And, and eventually he does get to go see the people that he's talking to and they're comforted by seeing him. It's just, it's different. You know, email, Facebook, whatever social media is so even even if you can see the person over your phone when you're talking to them when you're doing a um well everybody has all these different phones but uh a facetime thank you or a video chat it is different when you're in um, person i know when i when i have deployed and many of you all have done the same thing i know the first time first second and third time i deployed there was no way that i could see my wife and kids 
and in fact there were times when um and, and i know i didn't have it as bad as many of you all in here but if i wrote a letter i'll be good to get one back you know two or three weeks later because it would take so long depending on where i was at last time i deployed in the nwr room or morale welfare and uh, recreation room every day at a certain time where i was at i had to wait because it was maybe um i was maybe 13 or 14 hours of uh, behind or ahead or something i was ahead 14 hours ahead i had to wait a certain time to like maybe worship services over with or or something and i would get on the computer and skype back home and that was wonderful that was great every day that was it was, it was a pretty great thing but it was nothing like coming back home and the family and you know loving me except for janae um my our 17 year old now who was i think two she didn't remember me for like three days and it just broke my heart i was so sad but then when she like remembered me it was like you know and that's very comforting you know we have that in the lord when we see one another when we hear from one another i heard from mr james today i heard from um john teamer on, on separate matters uh i heard from cameron we talked yesterday i think right yeah, i think it was yesterday and then while you were gone uh, Nathan, I still was thinking about you today, and I still didn't send you the email that I was going to send you, but I, I want you to know I was thinking about you today. When we see each other, when we, we, we should feel that way when, about one another. And maybe we don't sometimes. And that's okay. Cause James, brother James told us a few weeks ago, the reason why we act that way sometimes, cause we're no different than anybody else. We're just like a family. Well, we, cause we're supposed to be. And sometimes you just make me mad, brother. I don't want to see you today. It's gonna take, let, me, let me take a breather. Let me pray about it. But you're still my family. So I need to reconcile that between you and I. We talked about Matthew chapter 18 last week. And it's not a checklist per se. You, may, you and I have an option one another, so I come to you. You don't listen, so I bring two or three more people. You won't listen to them, so now go to the, to the church, go to the elders. Now you won't listen to them, now you, you out the church. No, I don't. That's not, that's not really what Jesus wants. There comes a time when we need to do that, but my whole point is to help you, help your soul get to heaven. So I need to be keep kind of come to you, brother. I know I'm pointing to you because I was messing with um, him last week. I want to come to you and make sure you know I love you. I don't want you to go to heaven. And this thing that we got between us or the sin that is in your life, we got to get rid of this. You're making Satan happy right now. We don't want to make Satan happy. We want to make, we as Tony preached um, some weeks ago, we want to put a smile on God's face every day. And we have to work hard at that. So as we understand how Christ imparts life to the body, we can more fully appreciate the importance of every member of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we'll be. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Every member is needed for the body to function well. Every member. Everybody sitting in this room that's a member of the body, you are needed. Whether you have one or ten talents, you are needed. Everyone is needed. I say that enough times? Everybody is needed. Every single person. Let me ask someone please read uh, verses 14 through 19. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 19.
Thank you. And then I'll be reading verses 20 through 25. It says, but now indeed there are many members yet one body. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much rather, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, uh, on, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So rather than, and I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't um, talk, you know, call folks out to try to embarrass them. I uh, call those out that I know they'll be comfortable. It's fine. I have a prearranged agreement with them um, to. Well, I didn't at first with court, but he's, he'll be all right. Um, rather than trying to make an example of anyone, I, I, when I, I think about these verses, I'll talk about myself. And my my pain is nowhere near where a lot of you have had pains or things that you've had going on with you. But some of you all have broken bones or you've had pains where part of your body you couldn't use. And I, I, remember, I remember watching um, Shaquille O'Neal when he was playing – with uh, Miami, I mean, not Miami, uh, Orlando Magic. That's when I really liked him because he was with Orlando. And then he went to the Lakers for some reason, yes, for more money, and he broke his pinky toe. And they just messed with Shaq for a long time about that toe. And I did too. I'm like, this big old self, he got a pinky toe. He got out there and played basketball. Two years ago, I had surgery, not on my pinky toe, but on my big toe on my left foot, on my right foot they went in they broke my toe this is military they went in broke my toe did some changes to it and then they put a screw in my toe and the funny story about that is that a year later when we were at another base and i was still having problems with my foot the doctor said hey why is there why did they leave a screw in your foot i said i don't know i was asleep you know on the table i don't know should they take it out anyway think about going back to my, my my toe is broken. I've never had a broken bone before, so uh, it was it was painful, and it took me a good year to really learn how to walk on it again and and to run. And it it was so so hard to do that. I couldn't hardly walk. Um, I just I couldn't, I couldn't do what I needed to do. And I started thinking about Shaq. I was like, I won't pick on him anymore because I needed that toe. I, because it was stability i didn't i didn't realize that we need to f- see that in this example is that sometimes when we think we don't need that person oh that person doesn't really do anything you don't know what people are doing you really don't not just here at this building you don't know what people are doing in their neighborhoods at home or things that they're doing to help the church go further whatever you can do if you can write a card to someone and put a scripture at the bottom to to encourage them. If you can walk up to someone and just give them a hug, if you can go to someone when you see them and say, you know what, I was thinking about you. So, Nathan, this is what I'm going to tell you. I didn't see you in the email, but I was thinking about you, so I prayed for you, all right, because you and I have talked about work, and I was I was thinking about you. Um, I just never got a chance to send you the email. But that's what I was thinking about. When I, If I think about you, and I am so thankful for the other directory now that we have, 
and have those pictures there. And as I'm thinking about you, thinking about maybe some things that we talked about or what you're getting ready for, or, or I see your face in my head, I pray for you. Those are great things to do for people. I, I'm not trying to put myself on the pedestal. I just don't want to. I don't want to embarrass anyone. Okay, and I'm I'm saying these are things that we can do to bring each other together. And this this fellowship. Again, let's remind. I want to remind you that when we talk about fellowship, we're not necessarily talking about eating, even though eating is part of what we do when we fellowship, or or this fellowship that we have with one another, this bond in Christ. It is just a part of that. It is not the whole. So every member is needed for the body to function. So interdependent are the members that we, that what affects one affects all. As I just talked about, pains that you've had. You've had a pain with something, the rest of your body knows about it. We have a hard time in the church doing that, though. Because I think, I think you mentioned it last week when we were talking about trust. It's hard to trust one another sometimes. So what can we do to help each other trust one another? We tell the truth in here, because if y'all know, I will. What, what can we do to help one another trust one another? You got to have experience with one another. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's good that we say that, but do we do that? We don't, we don't do that all the time. Uh, I agree with you, though. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So let's tie both of what you both are saying together. Imagine I have a big mason jar. It's empty. And I got it in my hand. You have, this, you have one also. All of us carry this huge mason jar. And we got a pocket full of marbles, a cargo pocket full of marbles that we, that we carry around with us all the time. And as we interact, well, each, each, I have a mason jar for court. So I have one for him. Okay, And I have one for you, too. But as I interact with you and we have, a, you know, a great relationship, whether, whether we, you know, remember we're a family, so we're going to, we're going to, we're striving together to get to heaven. So we're going to have our bumps and bruises, um, bruises, but, but I love you, you love me. So, so as we interact, take some marbles out, I throw it in, those, take some more out, throw it in. Well, you know, I got a full, full mason jar and I'm steady trying to put in. Try to try to put more in because I just love this relationship. And then you do something that just robs that that trust, take that trust away. I just dump it all the way out. Is that how we feel sometimes? Like, I can't deal with you. I dump all of them out. And then that mason jar is empty again. And we have to start all over, right? But sometimes what we want to do is take that mason jar after we dump it out and smash it too. I want nothing to do with him anymore her anymore god does not do that with us and so we shouldn't do that with one another me saying that though doesn't make it any easier because well we're people and people are people and we hurt one another we have to recognize that we do that we have to recognize that we have the capability, the capacity to do that. And we need to recognize that we do do that sometimes by our words, by our actions. And then we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? 
my day was not that great because of how I said this to this person or or not. And sometimes we don't recognize it. So that person comes to us or those people come to us and they tell you, this is what you did to me. This is how you made me feel. We have to do better about reconciling that. As Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians 12, 26 to 27, so when a member begins to reason with himself, I am not needed. This person might now feel I'm not needed because of the way I've been treated. I won't be missed. There's nothing that I can do that's important. And by such reasoning remains an inactive member. The whole body suffers. The whole body suffers. In such cases, the body or the church becomes handicapped. The church is not working at its full potential because that is not what there is not because there is not what Paul described as the effect of working by which every part does its share, Ephesians four sixteen. And when the body or the church is handicapped, Christ is un, unable to provide the full extent of his life and nourishment because our relationship with one another is not where it needs to be, so our relationship with God can't be where it needs to be. For as we have seen, the body or the church is one uh, is one means by which he does so. The end result is the growth of the body for the edifying or the building up of itself in love, and it does not occur. So I know, man, Jaylee, you always bringing us these downers. Well, look, we don't ever talk about it, y'all. It's just sweeping it on the rug, and that, that rug just gets keep getting taller and taller. I, I'm not scared to say these things. That's why I'm standing here and you're, you're sitting there. I don't mind. Until Mr. James or Ken tells me to stop, I'm going to speak the truth what the scripture is saying. God wants us to be together more. Unity is what we're going to be doing here in the next year. So you're going to hear this often. And we have to be loving to one another and truthful with one another and able to say, you know what? You hurt me. I love you, but you hurt me. And and when you hurt me like that, it makes me not want to do what I need to do for the Lord. It makes me not want to participate. It makes me want to just come in and sit in the pew and just stare. I'm just here to take the communion. That's all. It makes me not want to be here at all. Just because the way you treat me or the way I am being treated. Am I saying it's all my fault? You know, is it all your fault? No, that person also needs to realize that, listen, God can still use you, but we don't help them by making them be more distant. From a negative perspective, we might ask, how long will Christ endure members who do not perform um, their function? Not long from what Jesus taught us in John 15, 2 and 6. And understandably so, a member of the body that does not function is often better removed, lest it becomes a hindrance to the working of other members. And since Christ is always adding new members to his body, Acts 2.47, he can always replace non-functioning members with those willing to serve. Look at Mordecai's words to Esther in Esther 4.14, when she wasn't sure that she should go about doing what he asked. Just as Judas uh, Iscariot was replaced by Matthias, Acts 1.15-26. But from a more positive perspective, and we're in on the positive here tonight, let me ask, why deprive ourselves of nourishment Christ provides to the members of his body? For what is what for that is what we are doing when we don't have much fellowship with others in, in the body. So let's let's come together more. And why deprive others of nourishment 
Christ provides through the members of his body. For that is what we are doing when we fail to add what we can do to the fellowship of the body. Let's all work at being more productive, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, members of the body of Christ, so that we may all benefit by the mutual strength and edification we have in Christ. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And we've already read the next verse. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you all for coming to class tonight. Um, Next week, we actually will have a a short devotional here in the auditorium. There will be no classes, so we're all uh, meeting here uh, at the 7 o'clock hour. But the next week, um, next year, in in the new year, we will um, start a lesson entitled An Accepting Fellowship, where we learn how to differentiate how we are to fellowship or have the fellowship with one another. Before we close, let us have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we are grateful to you tonight. Allow us to be here to spend time in your word and, and truly, Lord, just truly understanding how you would want us to be more together, to love one another more. And maybe, Lord God, tonight we looked at some hard truths, but things that we need to talk about rather than just ignoring them. We thank you so much, Lord, for your word that we have to turn to to see what thus says the Lord and how we as Christians are to behave in your church, Lord. Help us tonight, Lord God, to take in your word um, through Bible class and then now through the devotional. And that you be with us, Lord, until we meet again or see each other again. Help us, Lord God, to pray for one another, to help one another, to just be there for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you all for coming to class.